United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And let me just say that I believe this is the best show yet. I said it and I mean it. The United Soccer Coaches recently announced a new initiative from the Women's Coaches Advocacy Group called Hashtag Moms Who Coach. That's Hashtag Moms Who Coach. This group is for moms, expectant mothers, or anyone thinking of becoming a mom who wants a place to share and network. Today, we are joined by Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans, both doing great things in the coaching world, both doing great things as moms. Haley Carter is also a great mom, and Haley Carter heads up the Women's Coaches Advocacy Group. She brought me these two wonderful guests. Again, I'll say it, I think the best show ever. We'll hear from Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans, and you will love it. That, after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. United Soccer Coaches recently announced a new initiative from the Women's Coaches Advocacy Group called Hashtag Moms Who Coach. This group is for moms, expectant mothers, or anyone thinking of becoming a mom who wants a place to share and network. The following is co-authored by Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans about this exciting initiative called Hashtag Moms Who Coach, and I will hear from both of them after I read what they wrote, and here we go. Mom, mommy, mama. Mother, sometimes I want to respond with a what? We're sure you can relate, yet it's likely the most important title we'll ever carry. It's tough motherhood, but oh so rewarding. Being a mother was never something we saw as counterproductive to our lives and careers as a coach, yet we have found through the years that often others do. Anyone else ever attend a job interview while trying to hide your pregnant belly? or make small talk with a potential employer trying to be open yet very conscientious about how much you reveal? Will they see my ability to balance my commitments to work and family as an asset or as a liability? Have you tried to fit coaching license courses between pregnancies, babies that need nursing and children that need rearing? It's not easy and can often prolong how long it takes us to move up the ladder compared to our male counterparts. Recently, I, Yolanda, came across some old video of me playing and my current players and friends and family were impressed and excited to see the footage. Someone mentioned, quote, you must be so proud and went on and on about how amazing the footage was. Of course I am proud, but I decided to show them some other footage that I'm even more proud of. It's of me on the sideline, live on the SEC network, coaching NCAA Division I soccer with my infant son strapped on my chest. Now that makes me proud. 
Born in June, he traveled almost everywhere with the team that fall season. I nursed in locker rooms, bathrooms, on the bus, and at restaurants. I pumped breast milk like a champ in hotel rooms, at airports, buses, wherever I could find some privacy. The few times my son did not accompany the team to the games, together with our athletic trainer that year, I figured out how to keep the breast milk cold and fresh until I could return home to a refrigerator. And I did all of that while the next generation of mothers were watching. Sometimes the going gets really tough. For most, quote, mother's guilt, quote, will come crawling through your mind at some point. Am I doing enough? Am I away too much? Am I prioritizing my players over my own children? Will my children resent me for missing important occasions? Should I step away? The weight of these questions can become a real burden. We are so thankful for the support we've had through the years. Our spouses, whose enthusiasm about our career sometimes exceeds our own, the parents of young players we coach who offer to help and support when we get in a bind or just need a helping hand, the college players who are quick to babysit and set great examples for our children, and the many male coaches and administrators we've worked with and for us. They've celebrated our motherhood while also pushing us to become a better coach and leader. We can't do it alone, but we can do it. And while we do it, while we coach, lead, and inspire the next generation of players, we are saying to them, you can do it too. With that as the backdrop, I am thrilled to have two moms who coach on this week's podcast as our featured guests and the two authors of what I just read. Yolanda Thomas currently serves as the Director of Coaching and ECNL Director at Tulsa Soccer Club, a previous NCAA D2 head coach, NCAA D1 assistant coach, WPSL head coach, high school head coach, and director of a child development soccer program, Yolanda has coached every level of soccer in the state of Oklahoma. She is a graduate of Oklahoma State University, where she became the first at the then-named NSCAA first-team All-American in the state of Oklahoma, as well as a two-time Big 12 Conference Player of the Year. A native of Sweden, Yolanda's coaching was influenced by her upbringing in the Swedish youth national team and many seasons in the Swedish top division. Yolanda is a passionate leader who keeps fun at the forefront while inspiring others to pursue their dreams. And I can tell you, I've already had fun with Yolanda before we started this podcast. Welcome, Yolanda. Thank you so much, Dean. And let's meet Amanda. Amanda Evans enters her third season at Mary Baldwin this year. Evans comes to Staunton from Compton College in Compton, California, where she coached from 2015 and 2018. With innovation and enthusiasm, Evans led Compton to the best record in the school's history. Prior to leading the Tartars, Evans coached at Northland College in Ashland, Wisconsin, which is also an NCAA Division III program. There, Evans brought the team from the bottom of the conference to the first round of the playoffs in three seasons. In 2009, Evans started the women's program at Salt Lake Community College in Salt Lake City, Utah. Within two seasons, the team was 15-4-0 and was ranked 11th out of 60 teams in the West in the National Intramural and Recreational Sports Association. Always making academics a priority, the team posted the highest GPA in the department. The Wisconsin native holds a premier diploma from United Soccer Coaches. She played at Hawaii Pacific University and had semi-pro training in Utah. She earned a Master of Science in Special Education at Western Governors University and a Bachelor's in Exercise in Sports Science and Teaching Physical Education at the University of Utah. Evan joins the MBU family along with her husband, two daughters, 
two sons, and of course, their Labradoodle. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you, Dean. It's great to be here. I'm excited about this as I've been a longtime advocate for women's sports and especially appreciate women coaches who are also moms. So many of them, by the way, have told me, particularly like most recently, Erica Dombach at Penn State has said, you know what? Becoming a mom has made me a better coach. So let's start with that general statement. Erica Dombach, a well-respected coach, Yolanda said, becoming a mom has made her a better coach. Can you and Amanda both echo that? Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Erica said it, so it must be true, right? But um, I mean, she knows better than anyone. I think her demands she faces as a coach, you know, uh, it's it's unparalleled for many of us. But um, really the skills you develop in terms of time management, in terms of prioritizing tasks, along with just viewing your players as people, as opposed to just players. I think that's probably the biggest key. And it doesn't mean that you're not capable of it before you become a parent, but there's a, um, a piece of you that looks, as the, looks at them as your children in a way that uh, you probably didn't before you became a mother and uh, caring for the person as opposed to just the player that I believe really enhances your ability to coach and to lead people. Can you add on to that, Amanda, particularly Erica Dombach's thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think that it has made me a better coach. I think it makes us better coaches. Part of connecting, like Yolanda just said, is also the idea that when you meet a player and you're working with a player, I recognize that I'm sacrificing time with my family to invest in them. And so my investment in them is that much more valuable and important. And they recognize that sacrifice and they understand how much I love and care about them as players. And it allows me to connect on another level on top of the natural talks that you have with parents when you're coaching their players, you can connect with the parent and they can understand where you're coming from more because you are both parents and you both understand the worries and the cares and the, the concerns that you can have as a parent. And so it gives you a different perspective for sure. With a mad shout out to Haley Carter for playing a huge role in this. We'll go back to you, Yolanda. And again, Amanda, you can add on. What do you hope to accomplish through this initiative within the women's advocacy group as part of United Soccer Coaches? So I think in, in really short words, it's really to provide a place for moms who coach to be heard, to be seen, and to find support and then together advocate for one another. The demands that we face as coaches, as moms and moms who coach are particular and they're unique to our experience. And oftentimes we already know that women are a minority in the coaching ranks at many levels, but women who are moms are even a smaller minority. And so oftentimes you find yourself isolated or not with others who necessarily are in your position or dealing with the things that you're dealing with. Many a times uh, your superiors or your employees Employer does not understand the challenges that you're facing. And so really providing that community where moms can let their hair down and cry if they need to, but also come together and uh, advocate for change in the areas that we need it. What is your main goal as part of this initiative, Amanda? Sure. So I talked to United Soccer Coaches over a year ago when I was at a convention because I felt like as a mom, there have been a lot of times where I've questioned being a coach. And actually at one point I did step away from coaching from the career altogether and debated whether to get back into it because of the challenges that I had faced. And when I approached Haley through United Soccer Coaches last November about starting a group like this, 
She was extremely excited about it. Felt like it was definitely something that we needed. And my initial intention was really for myself. I just wanted to be able to call someone when I'm stressed out and to get that pep talk or to get that reminder of why we do what we do and why we love what we do. Because no matter how long, you know, I've been coaching now at the college level for over 15 years, and there's still days when I question it because of the challenges that I have as a mom. Being able to team up with Yolanda to push this forward and to you know, have opportunities like this to, to find moms and to find coaches who are dealing with these same challenges is exactly what I wanted to have this group for, because we need it. We all need it. No matter how long we've been coaching, no matter what stage we are in our lives as a parent, we need it and we need each other. As we dive into maintaining work-life balance, I'm also about names and I'm especially about names of kids. I talk about my kids all the time and even on this show, and they weren't even really great soccer players. They were better basketball players. But I know Yolanda has two, and I think one on the way, if I heard her correctly. Is that right, Yolanda? Yes. yes. I got about a month to go. A month ago. Well, you look great, by the way. And obviously, I already mentioned that, Amanda, you have two daughters and two sons. So we'll start with you as you maintain work-life balance. And Amanda, don't be afraid to slip in the names of your beautiful kids, and I want Yolanda to do the same. Thank you. So I have 10-year-old daughter named Dela, a six-year-old son named Kayono, four-year-old daughter named May, and a 14-month-old son named Sochi. So we are busy. <laughs> it's been an interesting challenge, the work-life balance thing. Prior to having children, there was no work-life balance. It was just all soccer all the time. My husband and I joked, we would, we, we've been coaching together for a long time. And we joked before we had kids, you know, we wouldn't eat dinner till nine, 10 o'clock at night sometimes because we just go from one team to the next. And we didn't have, you know, we had different, different priorities and energy levels at that time. And, uh, and so now as a parent, you're very much forced to have a work-life balance. And I think when I first became a parent, it's always a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. The, when I was first a parent is when it was the most difficult because you're just totally changing everything about your lifestyle. As I started to have more kids, it also became challenging because like Yolanda's about to find out, once you hit kid number three, it's a bigger car. Leaving one or two kids with a babysitter or a friend isn't a big deal, but leaving four kids with somebody tends to be a bigger deal. So, you know, you definitely get different challenges as you're, you know, trying to balance that. And, and a lot of it comes to, again, constantly adapting and changing because work-life balance, even when you don't have children, is a constant battle and adapt adaptation. So definitely the support of the people around you is, is key. And that's what makes it doable. That's what makes you have the confidence to get through it is the people around you that support you. And, and that makes all the difference in that balance. Yolanda, don't leave any of those kids' names out. I don't know if you're allowed <laughs> to tease us with the one that's coming, but definitely name their kids and talk about your work-life balance, please. Yeah, so I have Sasha. She is seven, almost eight. And then we've got Solomon, who is four, going on five. 
although you'd think he's going on 18 the way he talks sometimes. Um, and then we've got baby Shiloh, who is due in about a month. So I'm just trying to make it through here, the last stretch. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think uh, Amanda really hit the nail on the head on maybe not having any kind of work-life balance before children. So I think uh, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise of, of discovering what priorities need to be. I think for me, being an accomplished player beforehand, I was used to just grind and grinding, grinding, and dedicating all my time to my performance at the time as a player, but I really translated that into work life. And my husband honestly was the same way in his work. And so even as married, we functioned and were happy that way, but we certainly worked probably too much in hindsight and probably could have valued the time with each other even more than we did, to be honest. A child doesn't really care what work you do. They need their attention and certainly infants do. And so that forced us to sit down and really define what are our priorities. And I think that has been key for me is to figure out what am I willing to sacrifice because that will guide the choices I make in my professional life. And once I have decided, okay, these things I can compromise on, but these I'm refusing to, then you've got to stick by it because there will be times, you know, children, especially little ones, they don't operate on a calendar. They need what they need when they need it. And so at some point, a conflict is going to arise. And it's a lot easier for you if you have an idea beforehand what you're going to do in that moment. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. You can also oftentimes kind of prepare your employer if you have an understanding one that, look, these are my priorities. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be any less of an employee. It's not, I'm not going to be any less of a coach, but I have children that I take care of. And that's that, you know, and uh, most of the time. If you're good at your job, you can still make it happen. But of course, I do know that sometimes employers are not as understanding. I think a big one for me as well, I was definitely, you know, that kind of accomplished individual athlete kind of used to doing everything on my own. It was definitely a reality check of, look, you can do, try all you want. You're not doing this alone. <laughs> if you're going to continue in any career, frankly, you're going to have multiple kids, conflicts are going to arise and you have to really reach out to your village. So I, I feel very blessed very fortunate for the people that I've helped throughout my time as a mother, whether family or friends or coworkers or, you know, not everyone is for a lifetime, but I'm a person of faith and I really do believe God will send you kind of people you need in that moment. And so I've certainly had those who stepped up on the sideline and helped out hold a baby for 45 minutes, you know, and they may not be my closest friends, but they were really a help in, in that time. And so I definitely believe that that balance can't really be accomplished unless you have help. So identifying where that help could come from or where you could even seek out help is really important. We are off and rolling. It's the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We are giving this show and rightfully so to the women's advocacy group of United Soccer Coaches. It's about hashtag moms who coach. We have two superstar moms, two superstar coaches in Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans. When we return, we're going to talk about a word that I feel really bad it even exists, and that is mom guilt. We need to get rid of that word, mom guilt. We'll talk about that with Yolanda and Amanda after this quick message. 
College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Staff, where we're putting a focus on hashtag moms who coach, courtesy of the Women's Advocacy Group. I want to thank Haley Carter and Lee Gerald and all the great women that are part of the advocacy group. But I want to especially thank Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans for the great piece they wrote about being a mom who coaches and then their willingness to be on this podcast this week and then coming up, they'll also be on a webinar. We'll end the show telling you when and where and how to find that webinar. When we went to break, Yolanda, we talked about this word that even as a man, I do not like to hear, and that is mom guilt. What is mom guilt and how do you deal with it? (laughs) Million dollar question there, Dean. Mom guilt, well, it's uh, not being able to be everywhere at the same time (laughs) is really what it comes down to. You know, I think there are so many expectations placed on women in general, not just moms in society, to be a certain thing, to be a certain mom, to be a certain professional, to look pretty, to be fit, whatever it may be, to hold, keep your house, but also keep your career. And so the demands are many. And when we fail to meet some of those demands, a lot of guilt often follows. And then when it comes to rearing children, and especially because early in the child's life, no matter how involved the the father may be, obviously babies need their moms a little bit more early on. And so you start out with that attachment and we know how important both parents are in, in a child's life, but that attachment sort of gets broken sometimes by the demands of a career. And so I think for me, that's really kind of where, where that guilt probably started on a personal note, but really it comes down to, you know, I want to be in two places at the same time and I can't. And then even once you start figuring that piece out, your career demands so much of you. And then when you get home, you're still thinking about the things that you have to do to work, but you need to be mentally present with your children or your your fuse is short because you lost the game (laughs) and you're not fully there. And then, you know, as they grow, they have lives too. And you try to get them places and keep them involved, but inevitably your job as a coach is not a eight to five type job, which means you're missing after school activities. You're missing their games to go to your players' games, you know? So just not really being able to be there. And I think really hanging over many moms is the expectation that they should and that they're falling short if they're not. Mom guilt is this lingering thing that I think comes up constantly as a mom. Yolanda did a great job of of describing it. And I think It's kind of that idea that when I do a job, I want to do it at 100%. I want it to be the best job that I can do. And it gets to a point as a mom when you realize when you are a mom and a coach, you can't. 
you cannot do both at 100%. It's impossible. And that's hard to accept. It's hard to, it's hard to accept. And, you know, as a mom, it's difficult because you wonder, does this mean that my priorities aren't my children? But it, do- it doesn't. Our priorities are both. I have to put food on the table too. <laughs> I think a great example that I've learned from balancing this mom guilt as a mother was an athletic director that was on a job panel I was at once for this women's advocacy thing. And she said, you know, I never realized the benefits of my children growing up on a college campus. I never realized the benefits of my child being out on a soccer field, even though they weren't a soccer player and the things that they learned and the examples that they had in in the players and the people around them and what a great advantage that was to grow up that way. And I never thought of it that way. And that has really helped me, I think, see it in a different way. Also talking to those moms that have children that are adults and kind of learning how they dealt with it and and also learning that their children turned out okay, (laughs) I think is is another big part of it. So yeah, the guilt is real. It It doesn't matter where you coach or what you do. Whenever you're not there every moment of every day for your children, it weighs on you. I remind myself often too that there are many other mothers who feel what we feel who are in other industries. And because there are so few in our industry, you know, we can go weeks and months without seeing another woman (laughs) on the field or, you know, in a coaching uh, conference or what have you in our office. So you, you start to think subconsciously almost you're the only one there. And so it feels worse. But I mean, I think of women who are in the military, moms are in the military or in just corporate jobs that face the same things. And I kind of had to remind myself that, you know, this happens to be my career, but I know as young as my children are, they're proud of me as a coach. And I'm already beginning to see some of those things that Amanda addressed that they've picked up on because of what I'm in and because I'm able to involve them, thankfully, in what I do. And those are lessons they otherwise would not have learned. Tremendous add-on. And anytime during this conversation where you want to go back and add something on, we welcome it because we're delighted to have both of you. We'll start with you, Amanda, on this one. And then Yolanda, we'll be looking for you to add on, particularly as you just broke down mom guilt. How do you stay focused? Maybe you even have some tips on how you succeed in a demanding career while fulfilling your responsibilities as a mother. We'll start with you, Amanda. I think the first and biggest thing is remembering why you do it. Why did you choose to become a coach? Why, why are you putting yourself through this? <laughs> because You know, I have a teaching degree. I taught public school for 10 years on and off in between my coaching career. And there's times when I'm having a rough day at work and, you know, I could walk across the street and get a job, get paid 10 grand more a year and be home when my kids get home from school. So why am I doing this? (laughs) And, you know, there's a reason. It's because we love what we do. We love the people. It's all about the people. I get to take a, a student at 16, 17, have them come to a college, immediately change their life and watch them grow into this amazing person. I get to be part of that. That's a blessing that I get to have. And I don't make them amazing. They become amazing. I get to just be part of it. And, um, and what a blessing that is. And being able to, as a coach, you connect with people in a way that you cannot do in any other job or career. And I know because I've done other jobs and careers, and that's why I've always come back to coaching. And so You know, we are so blessed to be able to have those connections and to, as you coach a longer time too, now I get to 
talk to my players who have their own children and see, you know, what great moms they're becoming and what things they're doing. And um, that's the biggest thing is just remembering why we do this. It helps bring it all back to perspective. It helps re-motivate. And then also talking to other coaches, other moms, especially, because there's nothing more motivating when, you know, when Yolanda talked about, she mentioned being on the field and I'm probably going to get teary eyed because she said she was on the field with her infant. That was my dream. My mom asked me 12 years ago before I had kids, you know, what's your dream? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to be coaching on a college sideline with a kid on my back. That is my dream. And when I had my last child this year and my new boss said, my kids are not allowed to be near the field. It devastated me because my dream was to have my children, you know, be part of that, that I could do both. And when somebody told me that that was never going to happen, it was really, really difficult for me. And then when I hear people like Yolanda talk, I think, you know, I missed out. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my time. And I'm grateful that she got to have that experience. And, that, and I feel like more moms need to have that. And, and so part of starting this group was to have a place where we could come, to, where we could talk about these things, where I can talk to Yolanda and say, wow, you were able to do it. How did you do it? What can I do? so that I can do it and, and have those connections and have those real conversations because they are real and they are important. And what we do is not a normal job, which is why we do it. <laughs> and so, you know, rem remembering that is what, is what makes it better. It's what makes it important and reminds us that what we do matters and it matters to the people we coach and the children we have. I feel your emotion and it's real. And Yolanda, you can relate to her emotion, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Dean, what probably has touched me more than anything after doing that, I'm, you know, my personality is kind of a go-getter and I never really hesitated to bring my son along because if he came along in June, I was coaching at the University of Tulsa. I was extremely blessed with a head coach and an associate head coach that supported me and their wives <laughs> supported me in an administration that did. But it wasn't really until afterwards, you know, you're in, in the middle of season with an infant, you don't have time to stop and think and reflect. But really afterwards, I had players who graduated who now have children who said, man, I saw you do that. I'm just now realizing what you did. But it makes me think, you know, I can do it too in whatever I'm going into. And I had parents, moms of those same players reach out and say, wow, for one, you know, what? how can we help you? But also, thank you for doing that in front of my child. Thank you for letting my young lady, what my young teenager or 20 something see you do that because, you know, as hard as it is and the emotion that comes out in Amanda, we've all felt it. But I, I think what she's getting at when it comes to why we do what we do is can we leave the place better? Can we leave the game better than we left it? And we talk about that with purely soccer and X's and O's and, and organizations, but can we leave the game better for the young girls that are coming up that want to coach when they become moms? Because them seeing us do it, is, is, is saying you can do it too. And I think that's what we ended that, that blog post with that, you know, it gets hard, it gets really tough, but those are the reminders that I know I need. And, and I kind of keep, you know, if I've gotten a note or I've gotten a text message, I make sure and actually go back and read them and I kind of have to positive self-talk to myself that, you know, this is why I do what I do because it does get tough. Just being able to show the next generation that 
you can do it. And if enough do it, we get enough women, enough moms in positions where they're making decisions, then hopefully situations like what Amanda mentioned don't happen as frequent in the future. On a purely practical note though, Dean, I think for the moms that may be listening or even men in positions of, of power to to help those moms purely practically, I mean, you need support, you need to uh, prioritize, you need to uh, focus on one thing at a time. There's going to be a lot of demands and, and you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to keep a calendar and organize and think ahead. Those things certainly kind of the same tools that you probably learn as a student athlete, <laughs> those become really important because you are juggling a lot of things at the same time. But uh, those were some practical things that I did. And, and again, I can't, I can't stress enough that you can't do it alone. And for me, moving around, uh, I think you mentioned in my bio, I'm originally not from Oklahoma. And so, you know, I've had to build my support network. My husband is from here, but um, I don't have my sisters and my mom here whom I would otherwise generally rely on. And for many coaches that are moving around from place to place, career stop to, to next career stop, you don't always have your network in place. So being really intentional, intentional about seeking out people that can help you, whether professionals or just other women or moms that are around, I think really is important because it, it really is impossible to do it by yourself. One thing you also mentioned in your blog that you actually do have to do on your own, and that is breastfeed and pump and nurse. How did you guys manage that situation? Man, yeah, I can go first on that. Um, so I've had two, obviously. The first one, I was working at uh, more of a stationary place. So my employer was kind enough to just provide a, a, a private place, which was mostly my office, for me to uh, to pump. And, you know, that's another thing, Dean. You kind of got to go read and find out what your rights are. But uh, there are rights, some of them anyway. And so employers are required to provide a private place where you can pump. Uh, so I was able to go in and say, look, this is what I need. And I was able to do that. And it wasn't really any issues. The second time around, like I said, I was coaching uh, Division One soccer at the University of Tulsa. Man, buses, airports. Well, shout out to the Atlanta airport because that was the best one I found that has little private pods all around the airport where you can hook up and do what you need to do. And, you know, on airplanes, not just pumping, but storing the breast milk is not easy, um, especially when you're traveling for four or five days and it's really kind of a uh, product that needs to be kept fresh. And so, but I had wonderful athletic trainers who put together, you know, cooling packages and whatnot that I could use throughout the time because an eight hour bus ride it doesn't really stay cold, right? So just working together, relying on, on my village, really. And then honestly, for me as well, being from a different culture, breastfeeding was never a, a question for me. Whereas I know in America, a lot of times it is. Many choose not to. I just kind of did what I needed to do. And my players got used to it. The other coaches got used to it. And I think, I, I believe that in that, I helped normalize breastfeeding as well, you know? So whether that was my son being on the bus and he's nursing on the bus or uh, occasionally even on the you know pre-game walkthrough to make sure that he eats before the game starts what have you I, I kind of did whatever needed to be done Amanda any take on that subject yes so I breastfed all four of my children for the a year each uh, so definitely have done all of those things um, <laughs> I think one time I really remember was kind of funny was I was in the restroom before a game pumping and some of the players came in to use the restroom and they could just hear the pump just rah, rah, rah. and they didn't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden one of them goes, coach, is that you? 
<laughs> yes, it's me. I'm <laughs> just pumping. And so, um, so definitely you, you kind of just, yeah, you, you know, I, I guess I want to kind of refer back to what you said, when you said the word super moms, and it makes me laugh because to me, nothing about anything that I'm doing is a superhero. I prefer survivalist. I think I would take that label. I am a survivalist. So, you know, when you're doing all of these different situations and having to nurse, it is a challenge. Definitely you need a portable battery powered pump. Find one of those. That is, that makes all the difference, but you know, you have to get creative. You have to, um, you know, it's liquid gold. So protect it as much as you can. Uh, one story I remember my husband. So my husband has been my assistant coach on and off for the past 16 years, um, which is great, but also terrible because we have the exact same schedule. So he can't stay home and watch the kids if we have a game and those kinds of challenges. But I remember one time with my oldest daughter, she was maybe five months old, four months old. And we were on a bus ride and I pumped a bottle and then I had to get off of the bus to go to like a conference meeting. And my husband stayed on the bus with the team and the baby and they were driving back and they went to a pit stop. And at the pit stop, he left the bottle out of the bus and they got back on the bus. They hit the road. They had a couple hours where apparently my daughter was just screaming. And, you know, what I've learned is the whole time that I am a mom and I am trying to pump and balance all this stuff. All I am concerned about is the players. I don't want to get in their heads before a game. I don't want to distract them before a game. I don't want them to look at me negatively or think that I don't want to be here and that I'm not dedicated to them because I have to go feed my kid or, you know, I don't, you're always constantly worried about what other people think. And what I found is when I look at it, the perspective of if I had a coach that needed to go feed their kid or pump a bottle, would I be upset with them? Well, no, of course I wouldn't. It'd be like, no, you're fine. Go, we got this. But I think internally we have that battle constantly. And that makes us question our ability as a coach, which is just not the case. So I definitely think the breastfeeding just adds a whole nother element of challenge, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, um, just like Yolanda said, never, never questioned it for a second. If I'm making free food, they're getting it. So <laughs> it's the women's advocacy group. The topic is hashtag moms who coach. We're here with Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans. We'll be back with Yolanda and Amanda after this. And we will dive in. As we mentioned, Amanda got emotional talking about difficult conversations she actually had with her athletic department. And then also Yolanda talked about knowing your rights. We'll hit those two topics and a little bit more as we wrap up our time with hashtag moms who coach after this message. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations 
I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, our third and final segment with the Women's Advocacy Group. The topic is hashtag moms who coach. We are here with Yolanda Thomas and Amanda Evans, and we're so glad we are. And Amanda, you did get emotional talking about difficult conversations with leadership pertaining to your status as a coach and mother. Do you want to elaborate on that? And then I'll let Yolanda also jump in. Absolutely. I have had a ton of challenges balancing being a mom and being a coach. And part of that challenge has been because of leadership changes at the institutions I've been at. And it hasn't just been one institution. I've had a lot of challenges um, at multiple places. You know, there's two really strong stories that I, I'll share. One of them was when I had my daughter, my oldest, and I was a new mom. I had gotten my first head college coaching job. And she was two months old when I got my first full-time coaching job at the university level. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how I was going to be. I went to um, Northland College. It was great. The athletic director was very supportive. Um, she could she traveled on the bus with us, and uh, we did really well. Had a great season. Continued to improve the program. Over the course of the year, our administration changed. I got a new boss. The new boss said, "I don't want to see your kid in the office. I don't want to see your kid anywhere." And you know, in May, he mentioned my child not being able to travel on the bus. And so I basically said, I need to know if that's the case, because I'll be looking for another job. And what he did was he didn't do anything after that. And two days before our first road trip, he came to me and said, the school doesn't have a policy. So I made one for our department and your kid can't travel. At that point, I had to go to HR. I had to advocate for myself. And it was really difficult because here I was a new career college coach. And the last thing I wanted to do was jeopardize that. But I was put in a really, really tough situation. Another situation that happened recently, actually here at Mary Baldwin University, when I took the position, before I accepted the position, I said, can my children travel? Because if they cannot, I will not accept the position because I knew how important that was to us. My husband and I, coaching the same team together. Not that I want my kids on the bus all the time, but I just needed to know it was an option so that if they had to come in some situations, they could. And I was told, yes, they could. Again, new leadership changes and everything changed. I had a great boss prior that was a great advocate for me. Um, and when he left, um, I was then told children cannot travel. They can't be even on the field at practice. And so um, that devastated me. And, and, and there's also the part of, I just moved my entire family from California to Virginia. And now, you know, I'm questioning if that was the right decision. And so there's definitely been some extreme challenges that my family and I have had due to these policy changes and, and challenges as a mom. On a personal note, I, uh, with my daughter, our first, first child, we were able to essentially keep her home and between myself and my husband's schedule, along with our, uh, my in-laws being close by, she really didn't go to daycare until she was about 18 months. 
Uh, whereas with my son, I had to hand him over at six weeks. And that is, uh, you know, I, let, me, let me say this. I think America is far behind when it comes to uh, laws that support mothers and families. Uh, and that's me being Northern European and experiencing something different. So, you know, the, the support wasn't there, but it was really difficult to hand off your, your six month old. And, and I'm so thankful uh, that we found a good place and they were flexible as my schedule was flexible that I was able to come and sit and they were close to, to my work. So, you know, I could go there and nurse and not have to be gone the whole day. But, but just that piece was challenging alone that, you know, you have to come back full time to work after six weeks to keep your job. It's not in the best interest of the child. It's not in the best interest of the mother. And frankly, it puts longer stress and strain on families that inevitably has a negative effect on the business world and the industry. So, you know, that piece alone was was very challenging for me. Uh, we ended up doing fine. And like I said, my, my head coach at the time was very supportive. So informally, my son was still with me quite a bit, you know, at work. But then I think also, so I gave birth in June, maintaining adequate milk supply in 100 degree weather when you're working outside is not an easy challenge. So hydrating and eating enough to actually be able to feed your child. And then if you're not producing, then you're filled with another form of mom guilt, which is my body can't produce enough food for my infant to thrive. And so, you know, that was certainly something I faced with, with both children. And then of course, when you're traveling, you know, you're, I was in college um, coaching at the time. So you're not only traveling to be on the road with your team, but you also have to go recruit and that's time away. So those were certainly some challenges. I did want to talk about one other one that I've uh, come up against and uh, it has taken me, let's see, my daughter is seven. So I'm going on eight and a half years now to do the licensing that I want to do because I'm having to work around courses around giving birth, nursing, being away from children and a structure that does not really fit into the lives or promote, make it accessible for women who have children and particularly small children uh, in the way that the courses are structured. And so for me, I've done most of them through the US soccer and I've enjoyed them a ton, but even now I'm basically holding off on doing my A license because I found out I was pregnant because it's just not feasible with what when they're wanting you to come and how long they're wanting you to come. And then the fact that you can't really switch once you've committed to one, you lose your money. You know, I mean, it's a big investment. Um, and that's definitely been a barrier. And I feel like in my case, I was still able to progress quite well in my career, but I know many women who, because they're not able to access that, they're not delayed in how far and how quickly they advance in their careers uh, because that access to, to those licensure co uh, courses is, doesn't really fit their lives. I think that's an important one because women shouldn't have to choose between advancing as coaches and, and becoming more educated coaches and having children, especially when we're coaching children. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wanna stay with you, Yolanda, because you talked about knowing your rights. You also talked about uh, how perhaps your rights were freer over in Sweden and some of the European countries, but you know, you think about maternity leave, employer policy about children traveling with coaches and teams and contract negotiations. And Amanda, you were very upfront about one minute it's good, next minute it's bad, depending on who was leading your athletic department, which none of it seems fair, none of it seems right. Talk about knowing your rights. We'll start with you, Yolanda. 
Yeah, so for me, being an immigrant, I really had to learn a lot of them. So I'm, I'm kind of a go-getter myself. I really kind of hit Google and <laughs> see what I could find out and then asked other women in, in uh, other careers, just, you know, what did you do? So I, you obviously have to find out what the rules are in your state, uh, per se, because the federal laws and the state laws can be a little bit different. The size of your employer can also vary what they're required to provide for you in terms of leave. Obviously, your contract, depending on where you are. So I was employed at what was then an indoor uh, soccer facility was my employer and with my first one when I, uh, I gave birth and then uh, a division one institution and now I'm at a soccer club um, and so there are different entities right a lot of coaches out there might be uh, just receiving pay as, as contracted workers uh, on a 1099 which makes a world of a difference in terms of your rights as an employee compared to if you're you're an employee status being paid a, a, a via W-2, if you will. So, you know, just kind of finding those things out and I'm no lawyer by any means, but just kind of going to Google and finding it out or, or finding someone who's smarter than you who can give you the answers on those. But I think for me, Dean, the biggest probably asset that I had to pick up and, and honestly, my husband was probably the biggest advocate is he keeps saying, Yolanda, you gotta know your worth you know what you bring to the table and you need to communicate that. And for me, it was probably even a bigger lesson. One, because I'm a woman and we tend not to speak up as much for ourselves, but two, because I'm an immigrant and I think American culture is a lot more kind of, this is who I am and this is what I bring to the table than what I was used to. Whereas where I came from, that's kind of boasting in a way that's not appreciated. And so he's like, no, you've got to go in and you've got to be able to communicate your worth, you know what you bring to this organization. And if you can communicate that, there's no way they're gonna tell you, you can't have this time off or you can't modify this way. You can do it and you bring enough value to the table to demand that. And so that's been a huge lesson for me that I kind of have to echo back in my head as I uh, confront the different challenges of, of being a mother and having small children in particular, and the, it conflicting with a work schedule, because it doesn't mean you can't do your job. It just means you need some modifications to be able to do your job. And I just wanna to add to that worth piece, because I definitely agree that it's difficult to advocate for yourself in a lot of ways and to, to question your worth. I know there's been times when I, when I think to myself, because you know I'm sleep deprived for the last 10 years, that man, I had so much energy before I had kids. And I remember I'd work with the team and, and I'd be more energetic and I just had more time to do stuff in the evening, to plan and, and all these things. And maybe I was a better coach then because I, I could do that stuff. And what I've learned is, is no, I wasn't. And, and I'm a better coach now because I'm more experienced. I have a different perspective. I'm calmer. I'm able to look at a situation multiple ways. And also I'm so much more loyal. You know, I, I've interviewed for a position and um, one of the questions, it's always the, the concern of, do I bring up my kids in the interview or don't I? And, you know, I've gotten to a point in my career where I just, for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say I have four kids. I'm just going to put it out there because if they don't want me because I have children, then I don't want them to hire me anyways. <laughs> so I've kind of gotten to that point in my career. What I've found in myself is that if I find an institution that's going to support me as a mom, I'm going to be so much more loyal to them and so much more dedicated, just want to be there on top of the fact that I have four kids. I don't want to move. Moving is a pain. I don't want to go to a new job somewhere in another state. I want, you know, I don't want to pull my kids from school. So I'm going to be more loyal and more invested in whatever program I'm in 
because of those personal factors. Let's end with this as we only have a couple minutes left. It's been a fascinating conversation. Both of you have been really good talking about the support staff and that includes your family, that includes your other coaches, that includes the wives of some of your coaches as well. I love that comment that you made, Yolanda, as well. As you think about it, in, in a short soundbite, who have been some key supporters along the way for you guys? Yeah, so uh, my husband, for sure. I think we said in that piece, uh, he has sometimes, and I'm sure Amanda feels the same way, been more enthusiastic about my career than I have. Um, and just kind of being a great cheerleader, you know, uh, in those moments where it's tough and it feels like it's too much and I'm kind of, maybe I should do something else, you know? Uh, he's like, no, you're, you're great at what you do, keep going. So uh, shout out to, to Philip for being a, a great cheerleader and supporter. But beyond that, um, I think I mentioned, it's so important to have male allies as well. Um, the coaches that I had, the head coach at University of Tulsa, the associate head coach there, um, super supportive, you know, um, happy to have my baby along. Um, it, it went a long way. And to have men of an older generation than mine support me in that, it meant a lot. And I think it speaks volumes as well to other men who are working with or supervising women who might be in this, these positions. And then now, you know, I'm coaching club soccer full time. Um, I coach children, right? So I have many of mothers on the sideline who are ready to help and willing, and really it takes a village. So uh, all of those people that are involved with the game, whether parents, um, college players who babysit. I mean, I still have my former college players are some of my chief babysitters right now. Um, that are role models for my children. So uh, the game gives so much more than just soccer. And I think I've gained my village through the game, actually. Amanda, your support staff real quick, please. So definitely my husband, um, Anthony Evans. Uh, we've been married 15 years, been coaching together for 16 years. And, um, you know, like Yolanda said, he has been my biggest cheerleader. He actually postponed his career to be a stay-at-home dad so that I could pursue mine. Um, and we've made that financial sacrifice of him being a stay-at-home dad so that we can, you know, we're, we've been able to do all of these amazing things and taking advantage of all these amazing opportunities. So would not have been able to do it without him and still can't do it without him every day. My sister is actually a professor at a university and has four children and she got her PhD while she was pregnant with her fourth. So she definitely understands um, a lot of, you know, what I go through. And so she's been a great person to be able to talk to and reach out to. And then going back to having male advocates, um, I, I'd like to say by name, Jonas Worth, um, who now works for United Soccer Coaches, has been an amazing advocate and, and cheerleader for me. He's somebody I can call um, that reminds me of my worth as a coach. And um, about three years ago, I was at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in, I guess it was four years ago or more, in LA. And I went to a job panel and I asked them while I had a child strapped to my back, I said, if I stopped coaching for two years and wanted to get back into it, would I be able to? And all of the four or five people on that panel that were ADs and college coaches, every single one of them said, no. They said, if you leave coaching, you're not gonna be able to get back into it. I left that meeting completely devastated. And this gentleman tapped me on the back of my shoulder and he said, I've seen it done. Don't listen to him. If you want to do it, you can do it. And two years later, three years later, I ran into Jonas and he and I were talking about it and found out he was the person that tapped me on the shoulder long ago. And we just 
happen to cross paths again. So, um, and I think like Yolanda said, you know, God puts people in our lives and, and puts us in situations um, to be able to accomplish these great things and to have the blessings of being able to connect with people the way we do. And I, I truly believe that. And so I'm grateful for all of the people that has had, that have helped me. And also the last thing I would say is babysitters. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness for babysitters who get paid pennies to watch my kids, because if it was not for them, I would not be able to be a coach. And that's just the bottom line. And, um, and I, I'm very grateful for the great babysitters I've been able to find along the way. Well, I'm grateful that you guys are still out there getting it done. Four kids, three kids. Yolanda, good luck in your final month and a half of your pregnancy for your third child. That's so exciting. And uh, love everything that you brought to this. And just real quick, in 15 seconds or so, as we have to wrap it up, Yolanda, we're not done with this conversation. You've got a webinar coming up. I believe it's May 6th. Can you confirm the time so everybody listening can know and, and zoom in on the webinar? All right. So we have a live um webinar or a real talk going on with uh, several moms who coach on May the 6th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So it is going to be some real talk. So we encourage you to listen in and, and learn. Yolanda, Amanda, thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. An honor to meet you and so proud to meet you and know you both. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Dean, for having us. Yolanda and Amanda, I have to tell you, this is one of the best shows we've ever had. And it seems like every time I say that, Haley Carter is involved in making it happen. The Women's Coaches Advocacy Group, a special group, a special group indeed. Thank you so much, Haley. Thank you so much, Yolanda. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's so good that I'm going to end it there. I am not going to add on another guest because I want you all to soak it in. As we realize, it's not easy being a mom and a coach, but we need to make it easier. We need to make it happen. We need to make it matter. Great show. I want to thank, again, Haley Carter, Yolanda, and Amanda. I also want to thank Bailey Conklin and Sean Shuffle and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. And I want to thank Colin Thrash, our producer. Big time show. Really enjoyed it, folks. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm Dean Linke. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.